the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Sometimes, in an effort to want to come clean and confess things, we make this mistake. It's sometimes innocent, but we make this mistake. There's a verse for this, so I just want to clarify. In James chapter 5, it talks about confessing our sins one to another. There is a place and a time for that. If you know someone can keep a confidence, I should add. And that is refreshing to hold each other accountable. But do not think that telling each other your sins is a substitute for taking it to God. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Having a fellow brother or sister in Christ who is unaware of the sins we struggle with can be a great blessing. They can hold us accountable to pursuing that which we know is Christ's will for us. Pastor Gary reminds us today, though, that our confession of sin to friends does not substitute as a confession of sin to God. We must be sure that we go to God and ask for His forgiveness of our sin. Though He knows and sees all, it is crucial that we willingly offer to Him our hearts, for it's then that He can truly help us overcome our struggles. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 32 for part three of today's message titled, The Heart of Confession. God has a standard and falling short of it is sin. Truth be told, most of us have standards for ourselves, certain objectives for ourselves. And if we're honest, uh, we fall short of our own objectives and our own standards, let alone God's. All right, if you've ever set a New Year's resolution, December the 31st, and you broke it by January the 3rd, you know what I'm talking about. You set like a resolution, you set a standard for yourself, and you don't measure up. Well, think about how it is with God. God's got a perfect standard. We always fall short of it. It's kind of like to use a basketball analogy. It's like you're standing at the free throw line and you're trying to sink some baskets one after another, but every single basket you take, you miss. It's an air ball. You don't even get close to the rim. This is how it is with God. He's got a basket. His standard is perfect. We never hit it. We always fall short. This is sin. It's missing the mark. The other word that is given to us here is iniquity. It is the Hebrew word avon, and it literally translates twisted or bent. That's what the word means. Iniquity means twisted or bent. It describes the bent 
or twisted character of an individual which leads to premeditated sin. Iniquity refers to the corrupt nature of a person, and it refers to the inherent moral perversity within each of us. I know, you know, that sounds some strong words there, and many of you may not think of yourself as morally perverse, but when, when you really get down to it, some of the thoughts we think and some of the things we do, where does that come from? There's this, there's this bent in our nature, a propensity towards sinful, wicked things. That's iniquity. The last word here is transgressions. And it literally means willful rebellion against God. Willful rebellion against God. Think of it like this. There's a yellow line that gets painted in certain places. And then signs are usually posted, no parking. You see a yellow line, you see a sign that says no parking, you're supposed to avoid parking there. But you decide, oh, I see the line and I see the sign, I'm just going to park there anyway. All right, you just transgressed the law. You're a transgressor when you do that. And what happens is that God has painted some yellow lines across a few things. And some of the things he has painted a yellow line across are, are things like, hey, don't have any other gods before me, that's idolatry. And hey, don't covet your neighbor, the stuff your neighbor owns, your neighbor's wife. Coveting is wrong, don't do that. Uh, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Those are yellow lines with God. And when we decide we're going to do it anyway, that's transgression. We parked where God says don't park, that's transgression. All right, now, if you forget all of this, sin, iniquity, transgression, just remember this basic thing. Sin, iniquity, and transgression all fall under the overall umbrella of offenses against God. It can all be categorized as sin. These are all offenses against God. We've transgressed against him. We've either because we have fallen short of his standard or we have willfully transgressed or just in our hearts we have been contemplating wicked, evil things. Okay, it's all offensive to God and therefore it is all sin. It's all sin. Now, I don't, I don't know how you have thought of yourself in general but for some people, until you get to the place where you realize God's assessment of the human condition, it might be hard for you to think of yourself as a sinner. But we are all sinners. Now, what happens a lot of times is people will try to justify themselves and consider themselves to be basically a good person. I know every single one of us probably at some point have said that ourselves or heard somebody else say that. Are you a sinner? I don't know if I'm going to own that title, but I will at least say that I'm a good person. I'm not perfect, but I'm a good person. The question becomes, good compared to what or whom? Because all of us can find someone we think is worse than ourselves to feel good about ourselves. It's true. You know someone right now that you're thinking of that you think is worse than you, and it makes you feel better about yourself. But what if, what if the only standard were God? What if God is the only one by whom we will ever be ultimately measured? And that one day we have to stand before God. And he is the perfect and righteous standard. And we can no longer compare ourselves to anyone else. You can't compare yourself to Hitler. You can't compare yourself to Stalin, to Osama bin Laden, to Genghis Khan, or to the guy next door who beats his kids. It's just you and the Lord. Now, how good do you feel about yourself? You say, well, Pastor G, when you frame it like that, we all feel guilty. Exactly. 
We're all guilty before God because none of us measures up to his perfect standards. So stop playing the comparative theology game and looking at other people to think how good you are because the fact of the matter is that none of us is good. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, in comparison to God as our perfect standard. This is the sin dilemma of the human race. This is the problem that we all have. But there is good news. All of our sin, iniquities, and transgressions were paid for by Jesus Christ who died on a cross. And by his sacrifice, God made in his wonderful, providential way, he made provision for us by saying, in effect, I know that you're guilty. Every human being is guilty of something. So I will send my son Jesus to die in your place. And if you put your faith and trust in him, if he will pay the price for you so that you don't have to suffer for your sins, I will place your sins on my son Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? That's what God has done for us. That's what he's done for us. And see, and see, David knows this, and David understands this. And, th- and how much more reason do we have to celebrate because we're this side of the cross? David was even before the revelation of Jesus. And yet even David understood the mercy of God. If I just fall upon the mercy of the court, if I just ask the judge God to be merciful to me, I believe and know that he is a merciful God, and he will forgive me, and he will be merciful to me. And that's what happens. And this is why he writes this. But he says, here, learn from my mistake. If you want to get right with God, if you want to be restored to him, you're going to have to confess. So what does it mean to confess? How do we do it? What does it look like? For you taking notes, we're going to run through five things real quickly, and then we're going to receive communion. I think, you know, no, no better time than today to receive communion to kind of tie all this up together. This is what confession means. First of all, confession means agreeing with God. The basic definition of the Hebrew word to confess, yada, means to agree with God. That's what it means. To agree with God. That God has a standard of right and wrong. And the Bible wants us to be honest about ourselves as the Bible is honest about ourselves. But the problem is that many of us are dishonest about ourselves. And therefore, we don't like the honesty of the Bible. In fact, the honesty of the Bible can sometimes be a very uncomfortable experience when it confronts us about something that we don't want to be confronted about. But this is what confession is all about. It is understanding what God's standard is, what does he say is right, what does he say is wrong, and agreeing with that. And if you don't want to agree with God, then you've set yourself up higher than God, as if to suggest that you know better than he does. But what God says is, here's my standard of right and wrong, and I want you to come clean with me by agreeing with what I say is right and agreeing with what I say is wrong. So here's how it works. So, for example, in the Bible, God says, I've given sex to be a beautifully enjoyed gift between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman who are married. That's the gift, and those are the parameters. For a husband and a wife, for a man and a woman who are married. So if you violate that, that is sin. And confession goes like this, Lord, I understand now, maybe I didn't before, I understand now that sex is a gift that you've given to be enjoyed in the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. I don't fit that category, so I have violated your standard. I have not been in agreement with you. I now come to you confessing my sin. I get an agreement with you. I ask you, Lord, to help me not to do it again, and I confess it as sin. That's how that works. 
The Bible talks about slander and gossip being sin. So when you do that, then confessing means you come before the Lord, you agree with him. You say, Lord, I agree that slandering is malicious talk about somebody, and I've just done that, and I'm sorry. I need to agree with you. Slander is wrong. I've gossiped about somebody. I've talked behind their back. I've divulged a confidence. I gossip, Lord. That is sin. That is wrong. I agree with you. I'm sorry for my sin. I confess it. See how this works? It's realizing what God says is right and wrong, and then when we break it, we come clean with God, and we confess. We agree with God. We say, I I see now. And, you know, listen, for some of us, this is a learning curve. Maybe you haven't been a Christian very long. You don't know the standard of God. That comes by growing in your relationship with him. So it's not like as soon as you become a Christian, you're supposed to know everything. But to the degree that you grow and learn in your faith, now you're more accountable and responsible to agree with God if and when you violate God's standard. So confessing first is agreeing with God. Then secondly, confessing is owning your sin. It is accepting responsibility for your thoughts and actions rather than excusing it away or blaming it on someone else. This is important. Listen, when David was first confronted by the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel, the story is in chapter 11 and 12. When, when David is confronted by Nathan, in 2 Samuel twelve thirteen. First words out of David's mouth when he realizes this little analogy that Nathan used was about David. First words out of David's mouth, 2 Samuel 12, 13, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned. He owns it. David would have failed the confession test if he had tried to justify things and felt a little sorry, but just, you know, well, Lord, okay, this is my confession. Lord, you know, you know, I was just strolling out on the roof of my palace one day and I saw this beautiful woman. If she hadn't been out there, if she hadn't been out there bathing like she was, then I wouldn't have fallen into sin with her. I mean, forget the fact that I actually sent messengers to call for her and that I actually ended up sleeping with her. I'm just a guy. You know, boys will be boys, Lord. You know, yo, (laughs) give me a break. (laughs) That's just an excuse. That would not have been a remedy for his sorry heart. No, confession is he owned it. We have to own our sin. We have to stop blaming people for our sin. We have to stop blaming our parents, our childhood, our first grade teacher, our coach, the weather, our pet, our low blood sugar. We have to start to own our sin and confess it before God. I'm telling you what, we live in a world right now where not many people want to take responsibility for anything. It's somebody else's fault. Somebody else made me do it. It was their influence. No, no, no. We need to realize, stand up and be a man, stand up and be a woman and say, God, I have offended you. I have wronged you. I have sinned against you and I own it and I ask you to forgive me. And God will because he's merciful. But we have to own our sin. Number three, confessing is telling the Lord. I want you to notice again verse 5 where David says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions. Where? Say it out loud. To the Lord. To whom does he confess his sin? To the Lord. He says, and he adds, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Please notice. This is going to be liberating for some of you. He's not confessing his sins to a priest. He is not being absolved of his sins from another human being who stands as the vicar of Christ. He is taking it to God directly, and God directly forgives him. 
I say that with all due love because I know I've had many conversations with those of you who have Catholic backgrounds. In fact, some, you know, who have come to me very raw as, as you know, Catholics. They, sometimes I've had this conversation. People come to me and said, I've even been called father sometimes. And I have to correct people. Ah, that's, I, I, don't, I don't go by that. Uh, <laughs> only my kids at home call me that. But um, <laughs> you can just call me Gary. But, that, but you know, then I know where they're going. And they say, you know, Father, I've sinned. And you know, I just need to confess a few things. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, wait, wait just a minute. I have some new liberating information. It's going to be freeing for you and for me. (laughs) Number one, Jesus died on a cross for you. You can take it directly to him. Number two, I don't want to know what you've done. (laughs) But it's the truth. It was near 1215 when the Roman Catholic Church imposed that as a rule on people. 1215 AD. It doesn't have a biblical basis. In fact, the biblical basis is Hebrews 4, 14, and 16. Which says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The invitation is go to the grace of God. Go to his throne. Take it directly to him. This is why Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's why 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So Jesus died for our sins. He is our high priest. You can tell him directly and be received directly from God himself. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're going to applaud, do it really good. All right. If you're going to waste the time, applaud God really good. All right. Now, let me just add this also because somebody actually stopped me between services and said, you know, here's a problem I've observed and I think this was legitimate. Sometimes in an effort to want to come clean and confess things, we make this mistake. It's sometimes innocent, but we make this mistake. There's a verse for this, so I just want to clarify. In James chapter 5, it talks about confessing our sins one to another. There is a place and a time for that. If you know someone can keep a confidence, I should add. And that is refreshing to hold each other accountable. But do not think that telling each other your sins is a substitute for taking it to God. Because what can tend to happen is... You can find almost comfort and consolation among other people because you'll say what you did and then somebody, oh, that's okay, I've done the same thing. Oh, great. (laughs) Not so great. You both need to take it to Jesus. (laughs) There's a place for confessing to one another. It's good for accountability, but don't use that as a substitute for confessing and telling the Lord. Get right with him and take it to him and let him forgive you of your sins. Number four. Confessing is keeping things right. reason I add this is because some people think that confession is, kind of to use the phrase, one and done. You know, I confessed to God once. You know, it was 2001. Do I really need to confess to him again? Not unless you've done something wrong since 2001, but I suspect you have. Now, listen, there's a difference between confession of faith and confession for fellowship. Confession of faith is Romans 10, 9 and 10, which talks about if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we all come into faith, into relationship with Jesus 
by confessing with our mouth Jesus is Lord and confessing our sin and being right with him. Okay, that's confession of faith. I'm not saying you have to keep doing that over and over and over again. What I am saying, however, is that the Bible teaches confession as a general practice just to stay in right fellowship with God. It's not that you have to get saved all over again, but it is to say that because you and I will sin from time to time, keep, keep a short account with God and get right with him so that when you know you've done wrong, confess it and say you're sorry to God. Listen, I hope, I hope you don't practice the one and done rule in marriage. I said I was sorry in 1987. If that changes, I'll let you know. No, you, you, you're going to hopefully say you're sorry again and again and again. <laughs> I, hope, I hope all of us, though, live like that with, in marriage and in friendships and relationships where we can just quickly say we're sorry to just keep the right relationship. That's the way it is with God. So, so it's not one and done. Keep things right. Say you're sorry when you need to say you're sorry and confess your sins before the Lord. Finally, number five is confession is receiving God's forgiveness because that's the ultimate reason behind it it's getting right with him and in so doing we become forgiven by god first john 1 9 says that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness not some not a part but all unrighteousness every single thing you've ever done he can forgive. So, Jesus dies on a cross and fully paid the price and satisfied the righteous requirements of God on our behalf. God knows that we are incapable of living up to the perfect standard, so we need a Savior. You can't work your way to heaven, friends. There's no one who's good enough to get to heaven because of virtue of your own goodness. We're not good, but God is. We're not perfect, but Jesus is. We fall short. Jesus didn't. And he paid the price for us on a cross. And so what God has decided in his wonderful, loving provision for us is if you'll, me, you, if you'll come to me, God is saying to us, through the righteousness of my son Jesus, who paid the price for all your sins, iniquities, and transgressions, then I will receive you as righteous in the sight of my son his life in exchange for our life. I don't care what you've ever done in your life. I don't, I don't care how evil or wicked your thoughts have been that you never even acted upon, or maybe you did act upon. Jesus died for all of that. There's not a single horrible, offensive, wicked, sinful thing that you and I have ever thought or done, but that Jesus didn't die for that. And he had you in mind and me in mind when he did it. Confession is the key for getting right with him. And when we confess our sins and he forgives us, then you see we're able to echo the words that David did. That's why he was able to start Psalm 32 by saying, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is the man or the woman whose transgressions have been forgiven by God. Oh, how happy is the man or the woman whose transgressions God does not hold against us and him is no deceit. And that's why he ends the psalm on such a high note as well in verse 11 when he said, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Amen. Hope is no- 
Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.